cool backstories and side gigs of the research and insights pros that you trust. Today's guest is Emmanuel Probst, uh, whom he reminds me uh, that we met 15 years ago, almost to the date, in Chicago at the Four Seasons, I believe, at a conference uh, while he was at Research Now. Had a great memory. Very cool. It's been a good 15 years for you, for sure. Uh, you've done tons of really cool stuff in the meantime. So, Fast forward to today, and Emmanuel is the global lead of brand thought leadership for brand tracking at the world leader in the space, which is Ipsos. But he's also adjunct faculty at UCLA Extension. Uh, he's written for Forbes and Media Post and is a reviewer for the Journal of Advertising Research. But he has also published a really, really good book, a best selling book called Brand Hacks. How to Build Brands by Fulfilling the Consumer Quest for Meaning. So I'm not worthy, but we're going to do this anyway, Emmanuel. So uh, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Matt. <laughs> Hi, right, everyone. Got it. talking. <laughs> it's so great. Thank you so much, Matt. It's good. Thank you for the great introduction. And uh, I really appreciate it. And I'm really looking forward to our conversation and inspiring our listeners today, hopefully. Yeah, yeah, very good, very good. Yeah, so I appreciate it. Now let's let's talk about. Uh, I mean, you're a smart guy, right? You could have you could have done anything, but somehow you found your way into research. Let's let's hear that story. Yeah, I was um, studying full time for my MBA. I lived in the UK at the time, and I needed a job, and I needed a job uh, that would be flexible, because I was studying during the day. Sure. And. Honestly, it was completely random. I ended up in that call center, in that uh, doing phone interviews. Wow. <laughs> yeah. yeah. On behalf of Microsoft and other brands. Um, and from there, when I graduated from my MBA, and again, we were dating ourselves, Matt, because this was 16, 17 years ago now. But sure. Research Now had 42 employees at the time. And they were looking for someone um, bilingual, qualified at postgraduate level with experience in business development and an understanding of market research. So I applied sure. and I remember the interview because ResearchNow was so small. ResearchNow is now Dynata for our listeners and that's several thousand employees. But at the time, they had that small office in Vauxhall in London and mm -hmm. there, was, there wasn't a conference room for my interview. So... The interview took place in a Thai restaurant across the road, <laughs> <laughs> eating Thai food. And I got the job two days later. It was really a startup, very, very startup-ish at the time. And the rest is history. That's how I started in market research. Wow, that's a really cool story. Um, it's it's always fun to hear these stories about how people got into research. And uh, it, it um, it's really amazing how some people start, you know, just a very, very bottom rung, uh, but build this really flourishing career. So, so very good. So tell us a little bit about what you're, what you're doing now at Ipsos. Yeah. So fast tracking 16 years, as um, you rightfully mentioned, I'm global lead for brand thought leadership at Ipsos. That means I develop point of views and white papers and webinars and frameworks for our clients, solutions to um, 
guide brand performance, brand equity, and, and brand activation. So we work with uh, often large brands, but also, you know, um, more like medium type of brands. And really what we do is we provide guidance and strategy to help grow the awareness of these brands and um, make sure that the brand has a voice in its competitive environment. Okay. Okay, that sounds really cool. It sounds like it's very, um, very much related to the topic that uh, that you've written about in your book. Indeed. So, uh, and I just have to say, you know, from from what I've read of the book thus far, uh, I'm I'm really taken by it. So I'm really looking forward to finishing it. I mean, it gets me right away when you say, <clears throat> when when you say the more connected we are, the lonelier we feel, which. Uh, really kind of spoke to me, honestly. It's like, felt like you're peering into my soul. So tell us a little bit about um, why, why you decided to, to write this book. Oh, yeah. Well, we can reflect on uh, what you mentioned a minute ago about my career. And you said people start really at an entry level in our industry and then go their career. But what was compelling from day one is... I'm curious about understanding why do people do what they do and try to understand the world around me. And I will say to our listeners, whether you're uh, just an intern or just out of college, or you've been in the industry for 20 years, I think it's just as compelling and it becomes more and more exciting. It doesn't matter what level you're at, your passion for understanding the world around you, at least in my case, is intact and in fact has developed over time. And that is what hooked me, if you will, with our industry 16 years ago. And that is why I did the book is because I was so keen on looking at consumers for a different lens. So most marketing books start from a marketer standpoint. That is how are we going to sell more brands to people? And there is nothing wrong with this. I read a lot of marketing books, but here my approach was to say, most consumers don't care about most brands. So forget about the brands and the ads for a minute. Mm -hmm. What are people trying to achieve? People are trying to engage in activities that are meaningful, that are fulfilling. Right. Let's understand what's meaningful to people. And from there, we'll build brands that help fulfill those meanings. Yeah, um, that's that's really what I, what I took from the book. I, I love the fact that uh, it starts out with kind of this personal view uh, and then it transitions to, to brands. So tell us kind of at a high level um, what you want people to take away from the book. Oh, yeah. Um, something that's meaningful to us, it's something that has a deep impact and doesn't really change over time. At a high level, I want readers to understand uh, those three types of meanings we're trying to fulfill. So the personal meaning, what you do, who am I and who do I want to become? And we'll okay. give some examples, of course, Matt. Uh, the social meaning, that is how do I interact with people around me, with language, with brands, with products, and cultural meaning, that's about my beliefs, the arts and culture and all those things. And I think the key takeaway from the book is to look at those uh, three different types of meanings. And from there, again, uh, to build brands that help fulfill those, those meanings. And um, we can move into some examples, absolutely. Yeah, um, yeah, so, so why, don't you, why don't you give us an example of, of a brand doing that successfully? Right, so 
thinking of personal meaning. Um, and again, personal meaning is your identity project. That means who am I and who do I want to become? And a brand that does well here, for example, is Equinox Health Clubs. And what Equinox sells, it's a 200 something dollars a month membership. So the value is not really in the treadmill itself. I mean, the treadmill is good, but Planet Fitness gives you access to a treadmill as well for 30 or $40 a month. So yeah. what Equinox claims is Equinox made me do it or commit to something. So Equinox is a transformative experience whereby through Equinox, you're going to commit to fitness and you're going to become a better person as an outcome, right? So that's an example of fulfillment of your identity project in advertising. Another example will be the Venetian Hotel in Las Vegas and the campaign is Come As You Are. And right. here again, that's this experience of come as you are and, and leave the hotel transformed. And once again, the Venetian doesn't sell hotel rooms. I mean, they do, of course, but there are dozens of thousands of hotel rooms already, let alone in Las Vegas. So it's really this transformational experience here. That's an example, two examples of personal meanings. Okay, cool, cool. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, let me ask you a question. I mean, this is something uh, that's always kind of been on my mind and you know a lot about, about brands. So I want to pick your brain on this a little bit. So there's, there's been sort of this discussion around uh, brands as uh, a friend or, you know, like a trusted friend. Uh, they've got personalities like uh, somebody you might know. Um, <clears throat> And there, there's also a lot of uh, skepticism about, uh, you know what, that's, that's going too far for brands. What, what is your sort of take on that? Um, well, <clears throat> I think often marketers spend too much time with marketers. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I, I talk to this in the book and we're bubbled. And when I say we, I want to be humble. I'm one of those. Uh, we're bubbled because we go to a lot of conferences and we uh, listen to similar podcasts and we read publications and all this. To answer your question more directly, a brand can have a personality. Um, I, I'm not sure we go all the way to uh, the brand being a person, if you will. So a brand has personality attributes, absolutely. And that is not only, in my opinion, that's not only visual identity, it's also about the sound, that's very important. It might be about haptics, uh, this perception when you touch the object, when you touch the brand, for example. So in, in many ways, uh, a, a brand can have a personality. I wouldn't go all the way to saying that a brand um, can be a person. I think that's a bit marketers daydreaming, if you will, about how they want their brands to be loved, just like their child. And right. Right. we'd all want that. It's just very ambitious. Yeah. Okay. Okay, cool. Um, so uh, I'm curious as well. So I, I'm sure you, you had an idea of what you wanted to say when you started to write the book, but I'm curious to know, is there anything you sort of learned along the way? Maybe something that was surprising that changed the way that you think about brands or marketing. Yeah, you you mentioned earlier um, the the more connected we are, the lonelier we feel. Yeah, that's in the first chapter of the book. That's one of the key learning outcomes for me, hopefully for my readers, but for me, that is, um, we post forty two thousand 
pictures on Instagram every day. We check our phones 86 times a day, uh, about once every 20 minutes, once every 30 minutes. We are overwhelmed with media, uh, whether it's traditional media, social media, and devices. Yet, when you look at the statistics, um, especially millennials and Gen Z, most of them don't even have one best friend to relate to. Yeah. And that illustrates, um, there is a quote in the book of a, a young lady on Instagram who says, I live alone in a forest of likes. I live alone in a forest of likes. It's wow. very interesting uh, because loneliness, sadly, is on the rise. And I will say very sadly that um, people trying to end their life and, and uh, difficult things like this, uh, anything that has to do with depression or um, mental health is a bigger issue than it has ever been before, even before the pandemic, but uh, even more so now. So that's just to say that people spend the whole day interacting with so-called friends through social media and devices. At the end of the day, we might be very lonely. That's one of the key learning outcomes from the book. Yeah, it's, uh, it's very counterintuitive, uh, but, uh, but a pretty powerful insight. Uh, and it certainly uh, rings true, at least for me. So yeah. Cool. Um, so question for you. I mean, the environment, the media environment that, that we all live in is, is so different than it once was. Uh, and so that's clearly got implications for brands and branding and marketing and all that good stuff. So what does, what does the future look like for, for branding from your perspective, or maybe what should it look like? Yeah. I think the future of branding is about a more personal relationship with, with the client, more intimate relationship with the client. So while I said uh, a, a minute ago that uh, maybe it's too early for the brand to be a person, but uh, the brand can have a personality. And that's what data enables for you. Right. And uh, yeah, yeah. in my opinion, that's where the DTC brands do very well. Um, in terms of delivering that personal type of niche experience. Right. So 15, 20 years ago, personal relationship was the exclusivity of luxury. They were the only ones who could really have that one-on-one -on -one conversation with people. Yeah, yeah. And thanks to data, first-party data collection analytics, um, that relationship now can be very personal, uh, even for consumer packaged goods. And maybe we can take an example here, Matt, for, for our audience. I'm thinking of um, shaving, the shaving I, category. I was thinking the same thing, Dollar Shave Club. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's, shaving well, is a big category for me, as you might imagine. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the one. For years, um, we bought blades from Costco. Yeah. And um, what does Gillette know about you, right? Nothing. You just bought your blades from Costco and they don't know who you are and they don't know how you shave and all that. And fast track to Dollar Shave Club and, and Harris, selling the same product, come on, it's blades, right? It's not, they have not reinvented the wheel. But here, besides the price, and I'm sure it's a great product by all means, but um, they know how frequently I shave, they know about some demographics, they know about some psychographics. Uh, they can therefore cross-sell and upsell companion products that are going to match my skin type or uh, if I need to shave my head like you would, uh, Matt. So the point being, <clears throat> excuse me, 
even in a niche category or, or for a niche type of need like like shaving here it makes for um, a much more intimate relationship with the customer whereby we're going to be able to account for life stages and need states and really have more control or if anything more a, a much better understanding of the customer journey yeah yeah you know and i think Certainly in the age of social media, that this is a very interesting case to Dollar Shave Club because uh, friends that I had <clears throat> that uh, after that came out, they had the funny ads. Uh, I knew which friends of mine had switched over to Dollar Shave Club because they'd tell everybody who would listen on social media, uh, oh, you know, forget about paying all this money. For, um, I'm down with Dollar Shave Club, blah, blah, blah. And they just... They, they wore it like a badge, which was interesting. Now, I do have to say that Gillette makes, in my opinion, the highest quality product in, in all of consumer goods. So the Gillette Fuse, Fusion Blades, uh, I am a loyalist, right? Um, I want to feel the love and the relationship from Gillette right now. It's, you know, it's one way, but the product is just too good. I can't give it up. <laughs> so I just have to, I have to put that out there. <laughs> Excellent. You know, I keep reflecting on uh, this great question you asked at the beginning, can a brand be a person? And we spoke about the personality of the brand. And you just described an experience for a client with Dollar Shave Club and the funny ads and all that. And I want to answer your question for the third time for a third angle, if you will. Sure. I, um, a brand cannot necessarily be a person, but it needs to be person, um, relatable and personable, if you will. And we're going back to meaning and we're going back to your personal identity project. That is the large shift club is a guy like me. And I want to be, I want to go uh, for a beer with him, if you will. Right. So yeah. you also mentioned something important. You said, I wear the dollar shift club badge as a, uh, um, something to be proud of. Right. And that the social meaning what group do I want to belong to? And how do I want to relate to the world around me? What you mentioned is an example of social meaning and a brand that leverages social meaning to uh, help people communicate and help people being who they are as part of their community their, with their friends and family. Yeah, yeah it's really interesting. I, I kind of walked right into that, right? Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's fascinating stuff, really cool. So. Um, I'd like to know, Emmanuel, um, I'm really interested in your perspective on these things. So if you think about sources that you go to for inspiration or knowledge or even enjoyment, uh, could be podcast blogs, whatever, uh, what, are, what are some of the sources you turn to? Yeah. Here again, I think that's why our industry is so fulfilling, whether you're an intern or you're five years in, or you've been in the industry 25 years, is this enthusiasm for being curious for the world around us. And to answer your question directly, I read as widely as possible, really. I'm trying to be as curious as possible. So of course, I read industry publications like Adage, Adweek, and Marketing Week, and the likes. But I would read sometimes something in Women's Wear Daily, for example. I listen to podcasts from 
Kara Swisher from Scott Galloway, obviously yourself, uh, Louis Grenier. So a lot of uh, industry podcasts, if you will, but I also listen to Tony Robbins. I also listen um, to Malcolm Gladwell. And I don't mean to name drop here at all. I just mean to say that the point is to read as widely as I can. Sure. Uh, I often um, read the New York Times or CNN, and then I'm, I, I read Fox to try to get as balanced of a perspective as possible. That's what's so compelling about our industry is to me, things around me just fascinate me and um, is, uh, I, I would read uh, Yoga Weekly if this was on uh, a table at a restaurant or at a coffee shop, just out of interest to read something new and something I'm not familiar with. Yeah, cool, cool. Uh, I love that perspective. And I do as, as you do. I you know, make sure to read the, the polarizing sides of the news, um, try to figure out you know, what truth actually looks like. So cool, um, awesome. All right, so, so this, this is the rock and roll research podcast, right? So uh, <laughs> we gotta we gotta talk rock and roll, but don't don't let me color your answer to this. Um, you know, it can be anything you like, right? This is this is your question. So you're stranded on a desert island, right? You've got three records of your choosing to keep you company for the rest of your days. Doesn't have to be Slayer, although that would be awesome. You know, don't again, don't let me color your answer. So what are those three records that will keep you comfortable? Um, Pink Floyd, Dark Side of the Moon. Ah, yes, yes. And maybe because when I learned English, uh, I could understand what they were saying. <laughs> so in my early days of learning English, uh, believe it or not, uh, I think also the reason why Britney Spears at the time was so successful in Europe, and she still is, is because when she speaks, it's very easy to understand what she says, even wow. if you're not an English native. That said, um, I don't think I will take a, a Britney Spears uh, report, um, record, sorry, on that island. Okay, so Dark Side of the Moon, Pink Floyd. Uh, second one, I will go, um, second one, I will go for Tony Bennett. And Tony Bennett. I yeah. love it. Yes. The best is yet to come. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so I think I will definitely go for, for Tony Bennett. And maybe the last one will be Nirvana. Nirvana. Okay. Yeah. 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 So the, the, the classic? The classic. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Awesome. Uh, good choices. Good choices, Emmanuel. I'm actually surprised no one has, has uh, selected Nirvana thus far. So we're 54 podcasts in times three songs. That's over 150 uh, answers to that question. And it's the first Nirvana. So pretty, pretty interesting. Pretty interesting. Well, on, on that note, Matt, uh, coming back to the book in a way, because uh, I know you're, you're interested in the chapter about nostalgia. Oh, yes, very much so. And when I talk about Nirvana, uh, I'm sure you remember this um, record I'm talking about with the baby in the swimming pool, yeah, catching um, a $1 note, I think, yeah? You, you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, the point I want to make here is you see people um, in their 20s wearing a t-shirt that with precisely uh, that visual identity. 
you also see many of my students at UCLA, they wear Pulp Fiction t-shirts. Yeah. What's interesting here is Pulp Fiction came out, I think, in 94, in 96, yeah. meaning those people were not even born. And that's an appeal of nostalgia in marketing, whereby we go back to a time that feels reassuring and comforting. Again, because to your earlier point, Matt, we are overwhelmed with technology, we are overwhelmed with social media, and we're all very compelled with AI and VR and algorithms and all that. However, that's a little bit scary. So as consumers, we go back to a time that feels comforting, reassuring, and it's so interesting, in my opinion, to see uh, my 20-something-years-old students wearing T-shirts of Pulp Fiction, considering that they were not born when the movie came out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's uh, that's that's really fascinating. Well, I feel like I, uh, you definitely pegged me, uh, and I found that a very compelling chapter because I lived my life in a sea of nostalgia, right? So, uh, so yeah. I mean, yeah. Here I am, Harry Potter. What do you know? <laughs> Have it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and if if a brand if a brand can hook me on nostalgia, I'm I'm all for it. So <laughs> you got it. Yeah, good stuff. Awesome. Well, um, this has been an, a really cool chat, uh, and uh, would love to to continue this conversation. Actually, you're going to be my go-to person with brand questions from now on. Man. So I really appreciate that. So um, thanks so much. I love the Starsky and Hutch car behind you. Speaking nostalgia. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Thanks so much for being on the podcast, Emmanuel. Let's stay in touch and talk soon and rock and roll. Rock and roll. Thank you so much, Matt, and everyone for being with us today. <laughs>